This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, October 13th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author and podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. My internet connection sucks, so I'm sorry, guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. I've heard that intro before. All right, guys, it's October 13th. It is middle of October. This is full on pumpkin latte time. But I have a question for y'all because uh, in two weeks is Halloween and I have a kid and I don't know if we're supposed to trick or treat. Like, what are y'all's thoughts about that? Are you all participating? Are you going to even get candy for the kids who do participate? What are y'all doing? Well, well, well here, here's the thing. Even before trick or treating, there's another What's huge that? dilemma that we need to talk about too. But with what? Halloween, it's you know when when my family does Halloween, we like to be culturally you know relevant. We want to do something know. timely. What do you mean? And, you know, they'll like, do family couple, costumes like everyone a theme. Yes, last year we, last year we were the Avengers. You participate? Oh, in, in my neighborhood, the grown the grown ups are all dressed up too. You know what I go as every year? The adult. Wow. I just I, I go. <laughs> I, well, well, here's the thing. I like to do stuff that's like, like I remember it was messed up, and I think in in the hindsight we can all laugh about it now. But remember that remember that year, year that Cecil the lion was hunted by that dentist, and it was like someone went as Cecil the lion, and someone went as like a dentist with a rifle, and they were hunting. It was funny. It was timely, gotcha. ripped from the headlines. And I was thinking, okay. I want, I like to do stuff that people are like, oh, that's a great culture. Or like, I like to dress up as like a meme. I, you know, I, I like something that's, and I was talking about it the other day with my family. We were trying to figure out what our costume's going to be. Is the only thing that we all have this year, Tiger oh. King, that we can laugh at? Is, is that <laughs> it? Is it just Tiger King or else just go back to 2019 and pick something from there? What are you going to do from Tiger King if you're not the Tiger King? Are you going to be the guy with no legs, the guy with no arm? I mean, well, like, what are you going to I was going to be. Obviously, Joe Exotic. Um, uh, <laughs> Dana would obviously Carol Baskin. Would be Carol, Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. And then you yeah. need a tiger. Well, my two kids would be tigers. Okay, and there, there we go. go. They get to that's, dress that's up as animals, fire, bro. That's kind of fun. And, and we're the Tiger King, and 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 everyone. But you know what? What do you buy? You, a glittery pink uh, sequined cowboy hat, though. You know, to be a, oh, to be, just go to Party City. It's, they're okay. gonna. I guarantee you, yeah. they've got a Tiger King. Face. You could probably the, get on your face. The, the store in the mall that sells like the affliction gear, I guarantee you, has a has a bedazzled cowboy hat. 100%. I can guarantee it. <laughs> like the buckle at the mall, they they're definitely going to have something like. But how many Tiger Kings are we going to have walking around on Halloween? It's true, night? It's the, that's all we got this year. That's all we got. Although, if you think about it, doesn't Tiger King? When you said this year, I was like, oh, that wasn't three years ago. That was this year. <laughs> The Tiger King came out. Remember, that's what we were all watching, and now it was it's like, crazy. Hey, listen, we'll watch, we'll watch Tiger King, then coronavirus will be over. Exactly. That's simple as that. Exactly. You know, like that's what everyone's thinking. But again, but like in other years, there was there's all these things that were happening in pop culture every week. There's been no movies, no new TV shows. There's been nothing shared other than like bummer, you know, pandemic stuff. 
Tiger King's all we got this year. Am I wrong? Like the other, my, my kids won. They, we, we like that. And I know Cameron, you, you didn't like it, but the, the Will Ferrell movie Eurovision yeah. on Netflix, we were like, we'll all dress up as characters from that. And it's like, nobody's going to get nobody's it. Get I it. don't know. How, I don't think, I don't think anybody <laughs> saw it. The only it. thing everybody's going to get is Tiger King. That is literally the only thing. Jesse, you could, yeah. get, you could get one of those big, clear inflatable uh, circles that people roll, you know, like roll down yeah. hills and go as the NBA bubble. Yeah, could, I, yeah I could wear a jersey and, yeah. and just one be of those big hamster it. things. Yeah, yeah. Big hamster yeah. ball. Yeah. Do you want to tell the other day we were talking about Halloween costumes and I think I've told you guys this before. Halloween's my least favorite holiday. I hate it. Why? I wish I could just sleep through it. I don't know. All the like gorging of the candy. It just, I don't know. I don't like it. it. I have issues. Love but anyhow, it. I was standing in the kitchen the other day and my daughter, she's like planning her costume. Okay. So she's doing it and she goes, mom, I have an idea what you should be for Halloween. And I don't dress up. So I don't know why she thought all of a sudden I'm going to start dressing up for Halloween. She said, you should be a teen mom. And I said, Sheesh. what? <laughs> and I said, Sheesh. but I, what, a teen mom. I said, do you think that might be maybe mean? I'm like, I'm, I didn't, I, I wasn't like, a, I didn't have kids when I was a teenager. She goes, no, you're a mom and you have teenagers. And I, that's what she meant was like, oh, <laughs> and so then I was like, Oh, just be me. Like I could just walk around like myself, but she totally had never even heard that phrase before. And I thought she was out here, like making fun of someone who has a baby when they're a teenager. And I'm like, no, babe, I can't do that. And she's like, no, you have 14, five, four teenagers. Yeah, well, I, I thought you were talking about like the in, the reality show. Like, oh, I'll be a character from. Teen no, she mom. hasn't even cool. seen it. This, cool. yeah. No, she's thinking because I'm a mom to four teenagers that I'm a teen mom. Derek, yeah. do you dress up? Uh, no, no. Nah, first off, there's not enough costumes that would fit me because I'm a very large man. Um, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> it is. It's not. <laughs> I'll just act stupid. But you know, if you want to wear spandex, I just don't think people would want to see me in spandex. And the only thing I would dress up as is superheroes. But, but th- okay, so I can last totally year- see you dressed up as a superhero, though. Oh, yeah. Like you like Batman? Why aren't you rocking a huge Batman outfit? Be black, like one of those, man. one of those like six hundred dollar ones that's like, got like the real muscles and stuff. There's, there's no way, there's no way in heaven or hell that I'm going to spend six hundred dollars on a costume. <laughs> it's just, it's just not going to happen. Just I'm too cheap for that, Cameron. Two years ago, I I took that. Um, that jumpsuit that they gave us at space camp that had all the patches Jesse and I went and to I space made camp a big, and they gave us yeah. flight suits and, and, and I, and I, and I made a big tag that said like a rank in space force and I carried around Nerf guns. Then I was like, I'm space force. Yeah. It was a hit. It was a yeah, hit. That's like, if I have to do an outfit, I've got that in my closet and I'll just whip out the space camp, you know, uh, flight suit for, you know, I'll put on like a bomber jacket and I'm a, Space Force captain or something. Yeah, but I, I'm not doing I know you thing. guys did this. Did y'all ever do the Holy Ween thing where you dressed up like Bible characters and everybody just came to church? Everybody looks in, exactly yes, the same. Yes, they just came to church dressed in their bed sheets. <laughs> yeah, there's like a bed sheet. <laughs> not like, like the KKK um, way. Who are but... you? Abraham? Nope. Peter? Nope. <laughs> Moses. <laughs> there you. you are. Moses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, is that? Are, yeah. Are you Noah? No. Um, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. I got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was that was Trunk or treat. awful. Uh-huh. Why did churches ruin ho- holidays? Like New Year's Eve was the worst at my oh, church my because they goodness. would have service and we'd have to be sitting there and we'd be in the back row, yep. you know, like just counting down to midnight and the sermons going on or some he's talking and he blows right through midnight. It's like 1204. Nobody even paid attention. It's like, what's the point of this? We're just tired. We're not even yep. celebrating the new year. No, church our, church, church, was, church, was, our church was like when it got to about 1150. 
All right, everybody, get down and pray. And I'll talk about it. It's, it's a bunch <laughs> of black in, people pray praying in. in tongues at the praying top of the new year. Yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> and it is like three, two, one. Hallelujah! <laughs> it's just tears and snot and everything. Yeah, and it's it's just hallelujah. People running around and musicians, <laughs> go, you know what I'm saying, playing shout music. I mean, I don't know if that's right, y'all's experience. I'd go to that. that. That'd be fun. That That'd joint fun. was wild. We have, our church, we would have a Super Bowl party, but they wouldn't show the commercials. They would, what? They, I was just going to say that. They play worship songs during the commercials. Because and it's I like went beer and I don't know. And so what? they would like turn everything off during the commercials <laughs> and then turn it back on when the commercials were over. They would play worship songs during the commercials. Oh, the one I went to and I was like, this is a huge mistake. Like <laughs> I'm not opposed to worship music and I'm not opposed to Super Bowl commercials, but there's no need. Like we don't need to break into the worship service. You know, I just saw like Tom Brady throw, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to see the replay. Let me just do three verses of As the Deer and then we'll get back into it. Okay. Everyone just relax. Oh, that sounds yeah. so bad. <laughs> we had, we had, I remember as a kid, we had an evangelist visit us at the house and, and we were watching college football. And he's a visitor. Like, I've, I, my parents have known him since college, but like, I've never met this guy before. And we we're watching football. I was in high school. And when the game went to commercial, he got up and muted our television. Oh, like he would go, he would just mute it. He said, in my house, we don't watch commercials. We actually have above our television. We have a sheet that we pull down for three minutes during the commercial break. And then we'll put it back up. We don't allow our children to watch commercials. And I'm like, well, that's your house. That's right, not yeah, my you house. house bro. <laughs> I like college football <laughs> my, commercials. My, my kids are obsessed with commercials. Yeah. My, my son will come up come up to me and they'll say stuff like, hey, dad, I don't know if you realize this. There's only uh, three days left in Toyota. Uh, so I just want to put that on your I saw it on TV today. Uh, it's, a, it's a big beer for t- Toyota. Like he doesn't make the distinction between commercials and what is like just interpreted as like news, you know? And he's like, he's like, you know, dad, it's it's 50 percent less sugar in in in. I, I, they, they just, they, everyone's talking about it. Saw it on TV. I was you know? a sucker for Saturday morning cartoons and the commercials. I mean, I literally, I mean, car, uh, commercials were very formative. I'm in media now. I love commercials. I love marketing, stuff like that. I think the biggest loss with this whole streaming cord cutting era is that kids aren't growing up with Saturday morning cartoons anymore. And they have like Facts. these commercial breaks and the dumb like toy commercials and the game commercials and all this Facts. stuff. They, was, that was a big part of my childhood. I think commercials now are some of the like most entertaining things on TV. I, I giggle all the time at commercials. Social well, media is a commercial. You know what's funny about that? And, and I, I, I was reading something. I think it was like Chuck Lossman wrote about the difference between like the current generation and Derek. I'm interested in your perspective on this compared to mm-hmm. like, you know, where what would be considered like a lot of the cultural icons from like Gen X were so against commercialism like they didn't want their songs on like a commercial or they didn't want you know their tour sponsored by whoever it's like selling out and how the concept for modern culture makers of selling out it's like well selling out's the whole point i'm supposed to be an instagram influencer i'm supposed to get sponsored i'm supposed to like i mean you the go primary from revenue just a, source for for bands is licensing and getting a song on a yeah, commercial and that was the point is like even the idea if, if you told someone now who's like 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 a young creator like hey man you don't want to you, you know i don't know if you want to do that i don't know if you want to sell out it's like that concept, what do you mean sell out? Like the entire point has now monetize our, this. Our, yeah. our, 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 our whole concept of art, culture, and commercialism has shifted 
and, and a lot of it, there's probably a lot of factors, but you, you know, I think Instagram influencers, I think uh, just the nature of uh, how music and entertainment it, it's commoditized now. It's not a lot of physical property exchanging hands. It's, you know, alternative revenue streams, but it is interesting that our whole perception of commercialism has changed. Derek, as an artist, do you, do you, have you seen that shift? Man, look, it's so little money in music that if you don't have your stuff in commercials, you're going to be broke. Like if you don't have um, if you don't have someone sponsor your tour, the tour is not going to happen or you're not going to make any money because it's just so little music money in music right now. I mean, streaming definitely set things back a little bit. I mean, it's different when, you know, you're selling records and imagine this, everybody paying twenty dollars for a CD or something like that per, per record like that. That was when the money was flowing. But like now, I mean, you see people, I guess, quote unquote, selling out in that way because you need money. Like there's no way you're going to do this without that level of money. So I remember, I remember in the early two thousands, uh, one of my Christian rapper friends, uh, he was, you know, he, he was playing, he was, playing hundred people shows. I mean, he was just, you know, barely scraping by hustle, hustle, hustle. And then his song uh-huh. got picked up by a Kit Kat commercial. And I remember he, he mm-hmm. made 50 grand from that one little clip. And it was like more money than he made hustling an entire year of touring and all that kind of stuff. It was like life changing money for him, like career changing money yes. for him. And it's like, yes. that's the goal as a musician is to like get yes. placement and you know, all that. So Crazy, man! I've had my I've had my stuff used in so many different commercials and and sports things. I'm like, use it up because that's where the money's at. So, (laughs) but I think also the kids today want something different. They don't they don't want the anti hero. They want the guy that is killing it in all aspects. Like Travis Scott just did a McDonald's release, or Jay Balvin just did a uh, McDonald's release, and that just takes the star power to another level. So they don't want the anti-hero anymore. They want the they want that guy that's that's Dude, doing that. You know how effective that you know how effective that was? My 10 year old was like, Dad, can we go get the Travis Scott meal? I really want to get the Travis Scott meal. I'm like, we don't eat at McDonald's. He's right. like, I know, but it's limited time. We gotta go yep. get the Travis Scott meal. I took him to get a Travis Scott you meal. <laughs> Could you imagine back in the day, right? Like Nas do like oh, hey, I want to go to McDonald's goodness. get the Nas meal. Or it's or like Madonna, Nas would be like, or like any, yeah, yeah. They, they would be like, well, especially like in I feel like on you know outside of kind of core pop music like in hip hop and you know at that time like kind of like alt rock it was like there's a nirvana meal nirvana would be like a kfc is is this a joke or i feel like someone even like a a, you know that that kind of uh like mob deep or something oh let's get the mob deep they're like screw that man we're we're real we're the real you know like it it is just changed dramatically I remember when Drake, remember he had that Sprite commercial? Sprite. That was it. That it changed everything. And that made people so mad. People called Drake a sellout. I mean, they were like on him. They're like, you could have did this without that money and da, da 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 But I'm like, man, I mean, it's a Sprite commercial, bro. Like, are we not in this to make money? <laughs> he, and he owned it too. I mean, several albums later, he's still rapping about that, that Sprite spot. Like yeah. basically telling his haters to like, man. All right, well, moving the show along, we have a great one in store for you today. Coming up later, one of our favorite up-and-coming worship bands, House Fires, is joining us. Uh, They're from Atlanta, and uh, we'll introduce you to them if you don't know their music. It's uh, going to be a good one. 
All right, stay tuned. Up next, it slices. Tardin and free. Forgotten what's paid. So I'll hide in my shame. Like an orphan in chains. I ran from my promise, but never enough. You're listening to Judah. The song is Just Because. A new worship song. Out. Pretty good. Well, today's show is brought to you by UHSM. These days, finding affordable, quality health care is more difficult than ever. So if you're looking to save up to 50% on your health care expenses, listen up. You don't have to wait around hoping health care will improve in the U.S. Instead, why not join millions of Christians who are choosing health share memberships like UHSM? UHSM is a nonprofit Christian health share with the sole mission of helping you achieve your best health. Protect your health with modern health sharing from UHSM, including programs with prescription benefits from CVS Caremark, no-cost telehealth visits, and access to 1 million doctors and providers. You can satisfy your medical needs and save up to 50% with UHSM Health Share. UHSM is member-to-member health sharing, and it's awesome. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance. You can ask if you qualify for a UHSM membership today by calling or texting 833-367-8476. That's 833-367-8476 or 833-367-UHSM. Or if you're more online-ish, you can visit uhsm.com slash care. That's uhsm.com slash care. All right. It's time for Slices. All right. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so I, I I always appreciate when someone figures out how to do something differently that it's always done the same, uh, particularly when it comes to entertainment, right? What? Um, wh- okay, so like <laughs> shooting a movie, it's usually done around the same way, right? You write a script for it, you know, you storyboard it, you have a director, you set up scenes, actors read lines, um, but. I, I I think it's cool when when people try to reinvent things that, like I said, there's a pretty firm structure for how they're typically created, and that's what's going to happen with a new thriller that's in the works called My Son. The plot, uh, this is from Deadline. Um, in, in My Son, a when a man when a man's only son go missing, he travels to the town where his ex wife lives in search of answers. Um, uh, so so sort of like a taken type of situation, plot wise. The thing is, other than the basic premise of the plot, the main leads in the movie, who are James McAvoy and Claire Foy, uh, they won't know any lines and they won't know what they're walking into any scene. So all the extras, all the all the camera people know what the scenes are. They have a script. The two main leads have never seen a script. So they're going to they're going to be put into a scene in character and have to genuinely react and genuinely talk like normal people talk without any script. And Mm. the character will have to, it's almost like some scenes that it sounds like will be set up almost sort of like a, you know, kind of escape room style where they have to, you know, in character uncover the clues. And so the, the, but the idea is a totally alternate way of making a movie. That's a lot more close to shooting a scene. Like that's basically kind of how they shoot curb, like curb your enthusiasm mm. is like 
they'll put two actors like in a car and be like, okay, by the end of this scene, you guys need to talk about this, 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 and this, and get here as the resolution. That'll that that's way more than than these actors will be giving. They're just going to be putting into a scene and told to react. And the idea is it's going to you know kind of have a fresh feel for a thriller. They actually did the the same film that had a French version that was really successful, and the same director is going to going to be doing this higher budget one. What do you guys think in terms of like a concept for making a movie like that's this? That's amazing. I think that's this great. This feels scary. This makes me anxious. It could be terrible. I love, it. I love it. Yeah, this, I don't like it. Uh, James McAvoy is such a great actor. I feel like he, I, I feel like he'll own something like that. He'll kill it. J- J- Jamie, what gives you anxiety about it? Well, things like we're like, there's no plan. Let's just all go in here, do it. I, I just think of all the things that could go wrong. That's just my personality. Have you ever been to an, an improv comedy show? <laughs> no. Oh, you haven't? What? No. They're amazing. I should go. Yeah, yeah. I should go. You should. No, it just feels like, I mean, it's either, I feel like this is going to be like, this is amazing. This is, I can't believe this happened. Or what the heck were they thinking? Because this is a flop. Yeah, there's no in-between ground on this one. Like, like an improv comedy show. Right. They're either the best, funniest thing you've ever seen or absolutely horrendous. There's no in-between. Well, that's what, that's what, uh, 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 in living color was like, it's all, it it's all, all improv? improv. Like, is that, is that kind of like what Drew, was it Drew Carey that had a show where he did improv? Yeah. Whose line is Okay, so that's what I've seen, you guys. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 but, but the cool thing about this is like, I mean, the director essentially did a test run with this for like a small budget French film. So I think they've worked out the production yeah. kinks, but I think as... Maybe it like, works in French. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's only when they're speaking French. It's much more... Uh, Yes, and (laughs) Um, but but I do think it's kind of a fresh Mm -hmm. approach because it it also like there are some filmmakers like okay like Judd Apatow for example he shoots I mean basically five movies worth of stuff every movie he shoots because he just lets the actors riff like for for Step Brothers there are scenes where it's just Will Ferrell and John C Riley doing totally different scenes it's like take two and it's a totally different scene because it's just my favorite are the outtakes of like when they're laying in bed next to each other in the twin beds and like clearly just Will Will Ferrell is just riffing. Yeah, and, and like John C. Riley's, you know, trying to hang with him. Talladega Nights, man. Like those yeah. those outtakes yeah. were crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, and so you take that in the juxtaposition of someone like Wes Anderson, where every line of dialogue is scripted down to the vocal pause. Like Wes Anderson is sort of an auteur who knows exactly what he's looking for. Or then you look at some of the like the Duplass Brothers Mumblecore movies, where a lot of those scenes with like you know Jake Johnson and whoever are essentially improv dialogue, you know? Um, but to take it back to say, we're not just improving the dialogue. You don't know plot wise what's happening. Your job is to, we're going to test your skills as an actor and for you to react. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's dope. I'd be curious how many takes they get. Cause obviously the first take they're completely blind, but then if they have to do two, three, four, change the cameras, all that kind of stuff. What you're saying is like the fifth take, they know there's yeah, not, it's, it's like not it loses anymore. something, but yeah. the first take could be absolutely terrible. So I don't know. For, from yeah. what I understand, it's going to be as close to one take as possible to keep the reactions genuine. Um, but I, it, I will say this: the plot it, it basically sounds like not dissimilar from Taken, and it's like oh, I've seen it. But I probably will want to see this just to kind of see how it comes out. Yeah, you know, yeah, sure. knowing that. Yeah, for sure. All right, what do you have, Derek? So we have two ladies, uh, Emmanuel Chapertiner. I'm probably butchering their name but no so, i think you nailed it is it is that emmanuel <laughs> <laughs> i forget awesome. you you jerk not nah, playing uh jennifer 
Doudna and Emmanuel Chapentier. That's what it is. Yeah. Emmanuel Chapentier have just won uh, the Nobel Prize uh, for Science. And mm. it's uh, the CRISPR gene editing and chemistry uh, development is what they've been they've been building. I guess they've been building this since 2010. And the idea of it is like, say, there's like, I would say maybe Parkinson's disease. Like they could go in and edit out whatever it is in your genetics or in your DNA that allows that disease to thrive. So this is a really, it's really, it's a game changing type of, uh, type science because I mean as far as when we're thinking about like when you think about all these genetic diseases they'll be able to edit that out but it also brings in a lot of ethical issues as far as far as uh, (laughs) just earlier last year in China there were two twin babies born where they literally use this this science or this this, uh, CRISPR to be able to edit these children's genes to edit out I think it was some sort of sickness that they were the kids were going to be born with and they edited it out so it brought up all kind of like human rights things so I think this is the world we're they in. They do that in utero, like in utero. They go in, or what is? What do you? So I guess they. Mm-hmm. It's in the in, wow. yeah, in utero. Yeah. So they go in, and and if if you know, I guess they say, hey, these kids are predisposed to these type of genetic diseases. They will go in, edit the genes, put the babies back in, or or if, I don't know how they would do it, but it's it's the same. But I think that this is our world is crazy, especially when you think about last week when we we're talking about security drones. AI. Now we're talking about gene editing. And this is like, it's becoming mainstream. Like the big issue now is how do we commercialize it? And that's kind of scary. The idea of commercializing gene editing. Well, I mean, there's a couple, I mean, think about the bioethics ramifications are enormous, the playing God side of it and all that. But think about the haves and the have nots. Yeah. Like the, the haves will potentially be able to afford to go in and, and perfect their offspring, which then will perpetuate kind of that, that race Mm -hmm. in a way. And then like the have nots, you know, won't have that opportunity. And so the separation culturally will be enormous, but from a Christian standpoint, you just got to start talking about like God's intent with humanity. Playing God is a dangerous, dangerous role for humans to be in, you know, but, but, but it's also, I mean, and that's the challenge with any sort of, technological innovation when it involves, you know, medical breakthroughs, because like, if, if it's, if it's someone who like, for example, instead of treating a disease that someone is born with, we can just literally edit, we we can look at the gene sequence because of the enzymes that they've identified that they use in CRISPR. I think the C in CRISPR is that enzyme. Mm-hmm. They can use that essentially like scissors to cut that out of the genes and use other things to kind of fill in the gap. So like, let's say it was, it, it would be someone that had like cerebral palsy or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, or Down where, syndrome or, yeah. Or, yeah or, 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 I mean, but, but the question, you know, comes, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of questions, but it, there's also a lot of potential to prevent people from, uh, you know, having to suffer with unnecessary suffering. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is. Like, it I'm is not a Christian scientist. I go to the doctor and if, you know, somebody has cancer, they should get treated for it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that we just, you know, case or don't treat this stuff. It's just, 
there is this huge gray area and the church needs, needs to be talking about this yes. bioethically. Like the church needs to be in this conversation because technology and science is just going as far as it can. And the, the ethical question of should we needs to be part of the conversation of can we, you know, and it's not, it's not, and it's not coming. It's here. That's the thing. Right. Like you, That's right. like most of the time people are like, yo, this is coming down the pipe. It's like, no, someone just mm-hmm. won a Nobel prize for this. It's not coming. It's, it's here. And the scary part about it for me is two, two things are really, really terrifying. One is that the church has marred itself so much in ethics that's like, we don't want to hear anything. You can't even talk about racism correctly. Like, don't talk to us about gene editing. Like, just go play by yourself in the corner and go into your bubble. And another thing that's scary about this, this in general, like think about the internet. The internet has potential for so much good, but most of it, and this is statistically proven, is used for pornography. Like, it's just like, you just, it's like you have yeah, something so it's good. It's so dope. It's just boiled down to just, well, let's find the, the most awful thing we could think of to use it for. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if that's gonna, if that happens with this, the possibilities are endless in a very bad way. You know, well, well and and not only that, there's a profound lack of understanding of basic, you know, scientific innovation. Particularly, I don't think it's isolated religious communities, but I mean, you see, you you see something like an issue like stem cell research, right? Mm. And a lot of Christians out of principle would say, I'm against stem cell research. And then you're like, well, I think you're actually against embryonic stem cell research, mm. which involves the, the destruction of human embryos where, st- where I can extract, they can now extract stem cells from ambiotic fluid and there's no ethical concerns with that. But I mean, but again, the, the like Regeneron, which was in the news because it was one of the treatments that one of the uh, treatment methods that they gave to President Trump when he was, uh, you know, suffering from coronavirus is created with embryonic stem cell research, mm. right? Like embryonic stem cells are used in that treatment. And in any time that happens, destruction of human embryos are are required, wow. you know, and but, but, but again, all I'm saying is there's a lot of nuance to this stuff. And I I feel like for Christians to either take the position of ignore it, or at least not allow themselves to fully understand the nuances of a lot of this, it really makes them incapable of, of developing an informed opinion that's based on, you know, any kind of like Christian ethic, Mm, you know, that's That's good. All right. What do you have, Jamie? Man, I'm going to end us on a good note, you guys, because um, I don't know about you guys. You know, we said we weren't doing political stuff last week, and this is not necessarily political, but there's something that I have been really trying to lean into my own life is this idea of unity as Christians, that there are going to be people voting on both sides of the ticket. Who are in a you voting weeks. for? Oh, well, let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> Kanye. She's voting for Kanye. I'm <laughs> voting for Kanye. <laughs> But I love it when I see people in media say we can be friends and vote for different people. And I saw this story. It's local here in Austin. And then I saw CNN picked it up recently of these two women who are best friends and neighbors. One of them is an avid Trump supporter and one is an avid Biden supporter. And they started to see what a lot of us have seen. If you hang out on Facebook or Twitter ever is people were being so mean. And in their neighborhood Facebook group, people were actually unfriending people and telling them they hated them just because of who they voted for. And so these two cute little neighbor ladies, Marnie and Tasha, they got together and they took these 
these photos. One has all her Trump gear on. One has all her Biden gear on. And they put it on their neighborhood Facebook group. And they said, we can do better. Mm. They said, we can do better than this. Um, and they said people... Um, reacted really well to their to their thing they put up on Facebook and and they told their friends on Facebook just because one person decides to vote for one political party does not make them or their family necessarily bad people that goes both ways politics are important but they are not everything mm. so I'm ending us on a high note of these ladies here in Cedar Park outside of Austin Texas who are saying we can be better than this Love I it. think you should reenact the photo which outfit would you be wearing again Jamie <laughs> <laughs> Again, she'd be decked hey, out in Yeezys. I had a really big conversation with my husband the other day about whether or not we think leaders should tell who they're voting for. We don't have time to talk about that today, but that was a discussion we had at our house. I'll get it out of you before before November 3rd on this show. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, House Fires joins us. You're listening to Gene Dawson. The song is Starface. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. My high school nickname. Well, the Atlanta worship band House Fires has been creating worship music since 2014 with songs like Build My Life and I'll Give Thanks. This collective creates songs with the intention of sparking a fire in the hearts of everyone who listens. Our very own Tyler Huckabee sat down with the group to talk about their music and what's been bringing them joy these days. Here's part of our conversation with House Fires. Something we always love to unpack in everything we do is that very liturgy of life type of thing where it's in our normal every day. You know, Nate just had a baby. I had a baby too. Our babies are actually about to be one year old. So yeah. <laughs> this fall, they'll both be one year. Um, so we've had like a, a pandemic year of like being in our life in a way that maybe we might have been in some ways too busy to notice some things about the Mm -hmm. holiness of everything and the holiness of every moment. So that Mm -hmm. part's been a gift, but man, yeah, I mean, worship is amazing individually, obviously, but there's just something powerful that happens when you're in community with people and there's that kinetic thing that's happening. Someone asked (laughs) the other day on our staff, something about how much of worship is kinetic 
you know, and even when we're together mm. and socially distanced, mm. it just doesn't feel like it's clicking like it used to. It's because we do things together. Yeah. And mm. that's definitely more obvious than ever right now. So essentially was just why don't we do a whole record of songs we've just written with some of our favorite people friends that are family to us that we've been in writing rooms with and lived our lives with why don't we just invite them into our monthly worship night where we record everything and let's just co-lead songs that we wrote together and I just yeah there is something really powerful that collaborative thing right now that God's doing in the church and the blurring of genre lines and just oh this was that and that is this like we just were like, man, we've written these powerful songs that have moved us and moved our little communities and our families. Like, let's just invite some of those people in that we wrote them with and just go for it. And so that was, um, yeah, that was how the album was birthed. And we would just do it month to month. We didn't intend for it to be an album necessarily. We were just like, mm -hmm. hey, we should start recording all of our worship nights. Hey, and also we're writing amazing songs with these amazing new friends. Why don't we invite them to come too? It'll be it'll be revitalizing for us and revitalizing for the community. And then all of a sudden, we had an album, maybe more than an album worth of songs recorded. Until almost like halfway through, we were like, okay, this can be a thing. There's a song that Aly Alyssa Smith from Upper Room came and sang with us. Um, it's called Love Sick. That felt like a really special night. It just felt really sweet and subdued. And that's one of my favorites. And it wasn't like a single that we released or, you know, one that we necessarily had to put a bunch of an int intentionality in on our side, but it was just such a too beautiful of a moment not to put on the record. I think that same night, Nate, did you have that moment after this is a move that was so awesome too? Yeah. So that moment on the record is called have your way. And it was um, just a spontaneous song unplanned, just singing off the page. And uh, man, that was a special moment for me because I mean, I don't know. I just got hit with something, man. I, I don't know what it was. But you know, you're in these worship moments, these living, breathing moments with God and you're inspired and your, your heart is moved or, I don't know, I, I just really felt God in a special way in that room and felt like I was feeling the wind blow in the room, like the spirit was moving. And um, I know that's kind of visceral and odd and vague, but just started singing into the moment. I mean, I think that's one of the the great things that we do is like we always want to err on the side of space 
Um, like we come in with our set list, and we're like, okay, let's let's hit these songs. But it's like we always—that's a core value of House Fires because things don't go according to plan. And like God is a living, breathing spirit, and God. And so he, we just want to create room for Him to do what He does. Um, but yeah, that song was birthed out of one of those moments where I just felt like God was doing something unique in the room. And I just always want to follow that, you know, follow that rabbit, like, and just started singing into what I was feeling and seeing, and almost just like a prayer. Let my life be a song that sings your name louder and louder, louder and louder. Oh, let my life be a drink poured out, oh, to the world to show them you, Jesus, to show them you. My daughter Hazel, who is just about to turn 11 months old in a week, just pure joy, man. She's just always got this scrunchy smile and just <laughs> always laughing and just about to start walking and all the things. I mean, we're just, man, that's been another thing about the pandemic, just being home. Um, which was such a gear change for me because it was actually going to be a heavy travel year um, with the band, but also some solo stuff and ministry stuff. But it's just been so great to be at home with my wife and my daughter. Um, and other than that, gosh, NBA playoffs, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that they're back. Oh, I was so bummed, like such a sports geek when everything got shut down, like, I know that's very privileged of me to say, but I was just like, sports are going away. Like, <laughs> I'm a huge LeBron fan for the record. So cheer for the Lakers, you know, hoping they're going all the way, but I've just been loving that there's games on every night. And yeah, that's just brought me a lot of joy, just being here at home. Something I've been learning is like, we just need to learn how to love our neighbors. Like, and so going through all the health protocols and making sure that, you know, we're distanced and whether we think we, we've been exposed to the virus or not, like we're going to mask up and we're very controversial things, right? And I think something I've seen that need, that we need to learn to, to just live in and walk in the way of Jesus is like loving our neighbors. I'm really glad that the church is learning that maybe now more than ever, like we're going to love our neighbors. We're going to follow these protocols. Yes. We're going to continue to worship, but we want it to be like a safe place. So yeah, like neighbor love, just that's kind of been my heart throughout this. Like, even though I don't understand, I'm not an epidemiologist or a microbiologist, but just like I'm going to do whatever I can and err on that side to protect those around me. was house fires make sure to check out their music wherever you get your music stay tuned up next it's your feedback focus on me 
If you see me, do you see me? I just wish you would look at me, focus on me. If you see me, do you see me? I just wish you would look at me. You're listening to Thomas Heaton. Song is Focus. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week for the question of the week, uh, well, Jesse told us his awkward Uber story about he wanted the quiet ride. So the driver turned down the radio and started asking him invasive questions. Uh, it got us thinking about uncomfortable Uber situations. So for the question of the week, we asked you your worst Uber stories, most awkward, funny, memorable. You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, and you also sent us messages on the Relevant Magazine Instagram account. Here are a few of our favorites. Kevin said he was making a delivery for Uber Eats to an apartment, and there were about eight people sitting on the co- uh, uh, the sofa. The girl that opened the door seemed kind of uh, surprised and said, Zaxby's delivers now? I was in jail for too long, I guess. <laughs> like, the world's changed. You can get someone to pick up your Zaxby's. He's living Zaxby's. in a utopia. Zaxby's yeah, exactly. comes right to your door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ashley said this. She said, shaved my legs once in the back of an Uber. Time crunch. Am I right, ladies? No! <laughs> oh, you are wrong. No! I love it. No! <laughs> Imagine being the next person and be like, what's all these prickly things oh, all over there? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys three scenarios. So I want you to tell me which one is worse. If you're on a plane okay. or you're in an Uber, Uber yeah. okay? And the person next to you, you, get to, you have to choose one of these. Shaving legs, flossing their teeth, or violently flossing their teeth or clipping their toenails. You oh, have toenails. to pick one. Toenails You're taking work. toenails. I'm picking flossing all day. Toenails and hair will get <laughs> on you. Flossing will not. Flossing will too. But you pop. Oh wait, dude, wait, wait pieces of food and blood yeah, going no, everywhere. You didn't say popping. Yeah, wait, like, time out. I said the wrong thing. <sighs> I said the wrong thing. Toenails grosses me out. Yeah, so no. I, that's out. That's, that's what out. I, that's, yeah. I, I picked I'm the wrong thing. You have to choose. You have to choose one. Flossing, violently flossing, toenail clipping, leg shaving. If you had to leg, choose leg in the shaving, Uber. Dog. I'm going leg shaving. I'm picking leg shaving. I've done that a lot and it's okay. You're seeing little I'm chunks seeing, fly in the air sort of a thing. Blood droplets and oh, everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> leg, leg, I told you. Aggressively, day. aggressively flossing. <laughs> Maybe that's the question of the week. All right. So All right, Rodrigo... Uh, Rodrigo Rodriguez says, I was in Chicago for the first time with a group full of pastors and church planners. Traffic stopped the vehicle. And all of a sudden, at the corner of my eye, I see someone riding naked on their bike. And then wave after wave of more naked bike riders came through. was on set of the new Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it says, of the naked bike ride that has become pretty popular over the years, the pastors and their wives were all awkward. But what made it worse was that our Uber driver pulls out his phone and starts recording and says, I just found myself some new material. And we oh all <laughs> Dang, Rodrigo. Your Uber uh, driver was a freak freak. Hey, credit to Lyft here. Uh, Bethany re- replied to our question of the week on Twitter, and she tells her story about trying to take a lift to Disney. The driver, the driver wouldn't let them put the stroller in the trunk, said they had too many people. They didn't. The stroller was thrown on the ground. Lollipops went flying everywhere. Apparently, they crammed their stroller full of lollipops. Uh, it was so sad. Ended up, they had to take a 45-minute bus ride. Credit to Lyft. Lyft replied to her 
said, we're so sorry to hear about this. Please DM us. We want to look into it. Like they want to take care of her. That's, Good for that's her. What's oh, nice. Good customer service. Cause she didn't even tag lift. They're, they're just, yeah. they're just scrolling Bethany's feed, looking for any bad stories, I guess. Anyway. All right. Well, there's a lot more feedback where that came from. Go check it out on the relevant podcast, Twitter account. It's pretty funny. A lot of them happened in Florida. I'm noticing. Uh, I don't know what that's. Florida is another planet. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of hornets around yeah. here. Okay, it's time for editorial question of the week. At the beginning of the show, Jesse told us about his family's predicament. Uh, you know, they can't go as the Avengers again. They, you know, he needs to find a timely, culturally relevant 2020. It's not going to bum everybody out. Costume. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a non-bummer. Yeah. That's the question of the week. We want to know, what are your 2020 creative Halloween costume ideas? Hit us up on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, or you can message us or post on the episode page or the uh, episode post on the Relevant Magazine Instagram account. I have no idea. I'm, I'll probably just go as an adult again. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going I'm as gonna, a teen mom. <laughs> I'm going to think. I, I, I can't believe my daughter said that. I was like, but she didn't even know. It was like so sad that she was just being like what I am. She wasn't trying to be it's mean. So cute. It's so cute, though. It was, yeah. yeah, it's funny. Well, many thanks to House Fires for joining us. Follow them on Instagram at house underscore fires. And while you're online doing things, why not check out relevantmagazine.com? We just launched. I told you last week we launched uh, Relevant News right? The video series. We also just debuted season two of the Darius Daniels podcast on the relevant podcast network. Go check it out. Uh, he has some great guests. The interview in the first episode that he did with Rich Wilkerson Jr. I mean, it was like taking notes level deep. It was incredible. That's, and that's was, what's up. It really was. It was amazing. Go check it out. You can uh, check out the entire relevant podcast network, all of our shows, uh, including relevant news, including the Darius Daniels podcast. And of course this show at relevantmagazine.com. All right, on that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.